Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. As we seek to answer that question, who is Jesus, and look at the names that God has given for us about Jesus in Scripture, it helps us fill out the picture of everything that Jesus stood for, what he came to do, and why it is that he matters. In a city called Werden, Germany, at the base of a steeple, there is a stone-carved lamb and a legend that accompanies that story. It seems that as that temple was being built, that church was being built, and the steeple was being put up, one of the stone cutters, one of the masons who was working, lost his balance and fell from the steeple to the ground. His co-workers thought for sure he would never have survived that fall because of the height from which he had fallen. But when they got to the ground, he not only was alive, he was barely injured. Here's where the legend comes in. Supposedly underneath that steeple as they were working, a flock of sheep were grazing. And as the man fell, he actually fell on a lamb. The man was saved, but the lamb died. And the stonecutter, the story goes, decided to etch in stone the lamb that had saved his life from falling from the steeple. What a great picture, isn't it? Of what a lamb a sacrificial lamb does. And what a great picture for you and me when we hear Jesus called the Lamb of God that he gave up his life, that he sacrificed so that we could live. Today, that's the truth we want to take from this part of God's word. I'd like you to hear again those verses as John the Baptist pointed ahead to Jesus and pointed out Jesus as the Lamb of God. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Today, let's take that name of Jesus as we answer the question, who is Jesus? From John the Baptist's words, he is the Lamb of God. And as we think about that picture of the Lamb, what comes to mind is what lambs were often used for in the Bible, for sacrifice. And when we think about sacrifice, we can't think about sacrifice without understanding that we're talking about the shedding of blood. And so today as we think of Jesus as the Lamb of God, we'll first see the blood of a lamb, and then the blood of the Lamb, Jesus, and how that blood becomes the blood of our Lamb. When John spoke the statement that he said in our text, look, the Lamb of God, it would have instantly brought to mind for his hearers an Old Testament picture. The Old Testament picture of sacrifice. Countless Countless lambs, many lambs over hundreds of years had been sacrificed on altars, whether at the tabernacle or the temple or even in the homes of individual Israelites at least once a year on the Passover. All of those lambs that were sacrificed were meant to teach a lesson, to bring a picture. God was demonstrating that a just God, a holy God, has to punish sin. He can't simply look the other way. And so the blood of the lambs was a reminder that without bloodshed, there simply cannot be 
forgiveness. That's exactly what the writer to the Hebrews says in Hebrews 9 verse 22. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so day after day, countless lambs bled. Countless lambs shed their blood as a picture of the sacrifice that was to come. What's amazing is that celebration of the Passover was perhaps the most picture, greatest picture of all when it came to the sacrifice of a lamb. Do you remember the Passover? When the people of Israel were still in Egypt, prior to the 10th plague, they ate a meal that consisted of a lamb who had been prepared and unleavened bread. Do you remember what they did with the blood of that lamb? That they took that blood and they spread it on the doorposts and the door frames of their houses. And in so doing, the angel of the angel of the Lord would pass over their houses, spare them from the death that was coming to Egypt in the 10th plague. Every year, the Israelites celebrated that they were to slaughter their own lamb, lamb for their own family. Once again, a picture of the blood that was shed for their forgiveness. And all of that sacrifice pointed ahead to the lamb, the lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. Maybe living as New Testament Christians makes it very difficult for us to understand what it was like for the Old Testament believer to bring a sacrifice. If you're interested in what kind of sacrifices God required of his people in the Old Testament times, you can read about it this week in Leviticus chapters 1 through 6. And what you're going to find is not only the types of sacrifices that they were to bring, but the way in which they were to present their offerings to the Lord. If you were a worshiper in the nation of Israel and it was time for you to bring your sacrifice, you would pick an animal from your flock. You would take it to the entrance to the tabernacle where it would be inspected by the priests because what you were supposed to bring wasn't your leftovers but one of the best of the flock. When your animal passed inspection, the next step was that the person who brought it, the worshiper, would literally put his hands on that animal, signifying the transfer of sin and guilt onto the animal that was being sacrificed. And that would be a nice picture if it ended there, right? If the worshiper was able to hand off the animal to the priests and, and walk back home and it was all over, right? But do you know that the worshiper had to be involved for one more step? The cut that ended that animal's life was not made by the priests. It was made by the person who brought the animal. And as they drew the knife across the animal, the neck, the blood would pour on their own hands. A reminder that without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness. I don't know about you, but that makes me extremely glad to live in the New Testament times. That we don't bring bloody sacrifices to God anymore. And yet the lesson was there, wasn't it? It's why the Apostle Paul could say in Romans chapter 12 that our sacrifice isn't the blood of animals, but that we get to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. That's our spiritual act of worship. And yet that picture of blood was meant to point people ahead. And we can look back on the Lamb of God who shed his blood for the sins of the world. That's how John identifies Jesus so clearly. He is the Lamb, the Lamb of God. This is the one, John is saying, the one that takes the place of all of those hundreds and thousands of lambs that have been sacrificed before. This is the one, the Lamb of God, who takes away 
takes away the sins of the world. That word in the original language has a couple of really neat pictures that come along with it, both kind of surrounding the word carry. So what, what Jesus did by taking away the sins of the world is that he literally took up our sins. He took on our sins. He carried them to the cross. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There's a second picture in that word too with the word carry. It has the idea of being carried off, carried away. Jesus took our sin, he took our guilt, and he carried it far away so that it is completely gone forever. Remember how bloodshed reminded us that God needed to act in justice, that there had to be a payment made for sin? Isn't it amazing that in the same act, in the sacrifice of Jesus, in the blood that Jesus shed, God's justice was satisfied because a payment was made, but he demonstrates his love to you and to me because that payment was made for you. That payment was made in our place. That's why John could say what he did. Maybe those words seemed a little bit like a riddle when you heard them read the first time. The one coming after me has surpassed me because he's before me. But you understand what John is saying, how he's pointing it to the fact that Jesus is greater. Yes, in time, Jesus was born after John the Baptist, about six months. But Jesus was surpassing John because of the purpose which he had on earth. And in fact, he was before John because as true God, he is eternal. You see, John understood his purpose on this earth. He was there to reveal Jesus to all people. That's why he points to him as the Lamb of God. And as he revealed Jesus, we see Jesus as the sacrifice for our sins, for all sin. Jesus was willing to take on himself our punishment. He carried our sins. As Isaiah says so clearly, he was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. Jesus is our sacrifice. He's our lamb. He's the one who paid the price for us. And what's amazing is he knew no sin. He knew no guilt and yet he willingly went to the cross. Isaiah said as a lamb before its shears is silent so Jesus did not open his mouth. I know it's great to celebrate Christmas. There's something about a baby lying in a manger that makes Christmas a wonderful thing to celebrate. But we don't want to lose sight of the fact that that baby was born in Bethlehem to die. He was born to grow up and sacrifice himself to shed his blood for us. Our salvation is free. It's a gift of God. But it wasn't cheap. It cost Jesus his life. And Jesus' sacrifice was completely different than the countless lambs who had come before him because his was good once for all. Listen to how the writer to the Hebrews describes that in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 27, as he relates Jesus' sacrifice to the sacrifice of the Old Testament lambs. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. He takes away the sins of the world, yours and mine. Yes, Jesus is our lamb. His blood was spilled for us. Jesus carried our burden of sin to the cross. We know what a burden that is too, don't we? We know what it's like 
to want to live the life that God wants us to live and then reflect on our day and remember that we didn't say the things that we should have said. We said things that we shouldn't have. We didn't do the things that we wanted to do. Instead, we did the things we wish we wouldn't have. We know that burden of sin because we can't carry it. Because we can't live up to the righteousness, the holy demands that God has. And that's what makes what Jesus did so special. It's why Peter can call Jesus' blood precious. Precious as that lamb of God, the spotless lamb of God, the one without blemish or defect, took our place and he lived for us. And then he went to the cross to shed that blood, that precious blood for us. Luther picked up on that thought in his explanation to the second article when he said this, that we've been redeemed by Jesus not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. Yes, Jesus took our place. Jesus was the lamb that went to the slaughter for you and for me. And because of Jesus, we have exactly what he came to bring us, forgiveness of sins. Our lamb, our sacrifice, our forgiveness is complete in the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Can we just take it one step further? Again, today we have the opportunity to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And that very blood of Jesus, the blood that cleanses us, the blood that gives us his forgiveness is offered to us every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Together with the wine, Jesus' blood assures you, blesses you again with the knowledge that that was offered for you, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. In the Lord's Supper, we taste the forgiveness that God has given us. We get to taste and see that the Lord is good. Other places in Scripture compare Jesus to a lamb. John, or excuse me, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 spoke of Jesus as that Passover lamb. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. That picture of all of the Old Testament sacrifices that were to come were fulfilled in Jesus when he sacrificed himself. And then John tells us so clearly what the blood of Jesus accomplishes, that he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, purifies us from all sin. You sit this morning, you can leave today knowing that your sins are gone completely because they're cleansed in the shed blood of your Savior Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Some takeaways from our sermon today. Number one, the many lambs sacrificed in the Old Testament couldn't take away sin, but those countless lambs all pointed ahead to one lamb. Number two, Jesus' sacrifice as the Lamb of God pays for all sins of all time. He takes away the sins of the world. Number three, God strengthens us through the blood of Jesus which we receive in the Lord's Supper. Every time we celebrate that Lord's Supper, Jesus is reminding us of what he gave up for us so that we can live with him forever. Given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. In both the Gospel of Luke and in Paul's recounting of the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we read these words, Do this in remembrance of me. And certainly today as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we remember what Jesus did, the Lamb of God who shed his blood. But it's not just in the Lord's Supper that we're able to remember Jesus, isn't it? Is it? And so let me ask you this question this morning. Do you remember Jesus in your day-to-day -day life as often as you could? I know the answer for myself. 
I know I miss out on opportunities for the comfort that that brings. I think about the worries and anxieties that visit my life from time to time and the burden of carrying those and, and I think I need to do it on my own. I think I have to figure it out on my own and then I remember Jesus. I remember Jesus who says to me and to you, come to me, you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. We might worry about school and semester tests and, and maybe you worry about a job or, or finances or your health. And then we remember Jesus who says, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Or maybe it's guilt. The guilt of a sin or frustration and a sin that keeps visiting again and again that we feel like there's no way that, that God could ever forgive me for that. And then we remember Jesus who is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and the sins of the whole world. We hear John's words, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Who is Jesus? He's the one who carried your sins to the cross and is carrying you all the way home to the perfect joy of heaven. Amen. Peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.